0: Talk Radio. Hello everyone, Kalen Patterson, Midwest Muscle, p Real Talk, in your earlobes, whatever you're using on the whatever app, whatever, whatever, it's good to hear you and see you and know that you're there. I know you're listening because we have Mr. Infamy up in here. But anyway, this program is sponsored by P4P Muscle, the number one drug-free sponsorship foundation in all of the world. And if you, yes, you. Are am looking for a vehicle to drive your goals. Like what's it Ari?
1: Like a Mac truck through ice cream. Chocolate, yeah. of course. No, because no. Is that
0: Sprink-a-doodle? that's what <laughs> I'm calling it. chocolate way
1: for the wind, baby. That's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Um, check us out at peoplebmultip.com. And now let's chit-chat with the banter. Hello, Desiree, and how is your day?
1: You know, my day has been, has been great. Um, I don't know about my nights, though. I don't know if, if you guys are like, we've been. We've been under curfew, although it's not really yep. an enforceable curfew, but I've been in my house by 9 o'clock at night. That's all I can say. And you, Kaylin Patterson, it sounds like you had a very harrowed, harried, harrowing day.
0: It's different. I mean, like, there's a lot of, we're going to get to that on the show, so that's a good, it's a good way to bring it in. That's a good segue, that's for sure. Um, Like, reality happens, like, in an instant, and, and, and either you accept it for what it is, which I did, or you basically say this can't be happening and still try to go about your normal day when nothing is normal about it. And this it's, honestly, it's just, it's just perfect for what we're going to be talking about today, because we had false alarms about protesters, rioters, rioting, and looting in our neighborhood uh, over the weekend. Uh, it was Someone had taken video from Orland Park, which is north of us, way north of us, and used the mall scenery as the mall being down in this region. And it, it never came about. But people were armed to the teeth because someone had spread the rumor that they were going from house to house in the individual neighborhood, basically waiting to rape, uh, rape rob, and pillage. And I, I mean, I said at its base, I was laughing because I said there's just simply no way, method, or rhyme, or reason that people are going to go in the neighborhood not knowing the neighborhood. They're going to get lost and probably get themselves put in a barn's way. So that didn't make any sense to someone who's not living in fear. Uh, Well, anyway, it happened over the weekend, and people were scared to death, and then they said it was going to happen again Monday, and so basically, we had people sitting out in their lawns, sitting in their houses with the the, the drapes open even at night, waiting for these uh, looters to come through their neighborhoods. Well, one fella had been sitting and waiting for so long, he figured maybe they missed his neighborhood. So he was going around everyone's every other house, making sure that they were safe. The only problem was he had his rifle with him. Uh, When he was approached by the people in the neighborhood about basically going home and uh, putting the rifle away, he was already in an agitated state and fired off a couple of rounds for everyone to keep their distance. Well, it was this climate you already know where this is going. So it's just, I think mean, today is my aunt's birthday, and I'm going over to deliver a present after I left the gym, finished work this morning, and going to drop off a present. The police fly by. I don't know what's going on, so, I, you know, you get to the side of the road. And basically when they passed, I started driving again, and I saw what I thought was a guy running across the street with a rake. And I was thinking, well, he picked the wrong kind of run across the street because I was hoping he didn't get a clip, but that's when the policemen basically stopped their cars and redirected everyone after that, myself included. Um, And, you know, you see these things, and it's reality, but it it actually got worse from there because even though we've been redirected, there were people that are going – driving to their homes that didn't want to be rerouted, not fully understanding the severity of what's actually happening right then and there. And I said that's kind of a precursor to what this show is about because we have all this calamity that's really actually happening and people not accepting the gravity of what's happening. And it kind of blew me away that they're wanting to argue with the police at a time like that. Because, you know, I'm living this close to my destination. Why won't you just let me go through here? Not understanding that someone with a weapon that has been fired is running through the neighborhood. And anyone could be a potential target. And the police simply can't take that risk. So <clears throat> I, you know, get to my aunts and make sure all of them are safe. And I just so, it, it, it's overwhelming because you realize there's so many family in one space. You already know that, you know, people are going to hear about what's going on and hit the panic button because there's so many, so much family in harm's way. So it's it's so surreal that, you know, I'm thinking on this day of all days, why today? But this is how life happens. And we seem to not understand that this life is happening every day. And it's not always going to be good. But for some reason, we say, you know, I don't believe it and I don't accept it. So it's not really happening. And that's what I was seeing with the people who were basically causing traffic because they didn't want to accept the the gravity of what was actually happening. And I I think this is currently the state we're in, and it's a perfect segue into our topic of the show. But first, Des, I'll let you introduce Dr. Joe, and we'll get this show started.
1: Well, actually, I'm going to let Dr. Joe introduce himself because nobody knows Dr. Joe better than Dr. Joe. (laughs) So, Dr. Joe Klinzowski. Please introduce yourself once more to our listener,
2: Lamb. Well, I really appreciate you guys inviting me on the show. It's it's an honor that you would want to talk to me at a time like this and share some views with you and and hopefully just just hash out some of the the, the emotions and things flying around the country and the world right now. Um, but I'm just your your typical farm boy from Indiana. Um, you know, just grew up uh-huh. in the in the, mid, in the Midwest and. Uh, ended up falling in love with with physical fitness and the spotty building, and so uh, moved my career from physical therapy into nutrition and health sciences. And so I've been fortunate enough over the last couple of decades to to be be involved in in building the nutrition coaching industry to where it is now. And um, you know I've I've continued my education from uh, one doctorate in nutrition and a second in health education more into social sciences. So for the last 10 years, I've completed one master's degree in creative nonfiction, which I specialized in social science writing. And now I'm completing a second master's in social psychology and social anthropology. So I I know that's one of the reasons you guys want to talk to me is outside of my day job of of nutrition and coaching and, and health and fitness, I definitely love to talk about some of the deeper issues that are uh, facing society and exactly. man, no, no, no greater time than, than, than this week.
0: No doubt. Um, this, this, this situation, I mean, cause everybody's got a conspiracy it seems. And, you know, I was, I, w- I was relating this to health and fitness and I just, people don't understand the connection with mind and body and what a healthy body is capable of because, you know, we we live in a pretty sick place where pharmaceuticals are pretty much a lot of people's day and it takes down mind and it takes down body. And somewhere down the line, you know, we depreciate as a hope and thinking is, is a big part of that. And I was trying to relate people with the carb deficiencies and how it basically interacts with the loss of thinking. You know, you're not really thinking clearly sometimes, but living in a funk or a cloud, whatever. And that plays a part with the interaction with the pharmaceuticals that they're ingesting and, or putting in their bodies or having injected. And it does cloud reality to for some people. And they're sharing nonsensical Silliness. And, and and there's it's being shared and regurgitated to the point that it almost sounds like the truth to someone who's actually going to go out believing that this is real how, how do we interact with that kind of mentality and and still try to keep the divide from becoming more divided?
2: Well it's an interesting segue from where you started the show, which is, the fact that people just don't want to accept reality. They don't want to accept that, man, we're actually facing this right now and this is really happening. And I've seen that in, in my own social media. I, you know, I have, I have so many friends on social media that I, I don't actually know that many of them, which is, is fun in a way because I get to intersect with a lot of different people I normally wouldn't. And, and I, I see that to, uh, to such a large degree that, you know, if, if I could divide my audience in half just as the political spectrum goes these days I would say half of the people just want to ignore it and and they want to deflect and they want to say, this isn't really a problem. It's, it's, you know, quote those people. Um, And, and yeah, okay. There's one bad apple, one bad cop, but that's not everybody. And and they just, they don't want to even accept that there's a systemic problem. And I think it goes to your point, Kaylin, that, we are in this, this age where we just want to take a pill for everything. We want to expect to feel perfect all the time to never feel dissonance or pain or disenfranchisement. If I, if I have, if I have a headache, I have a pain, I I take medicine. If I want to feel better, I take, you know, another drug. And so we're just constantly pushing away reality. And that's unfortunately what it, it was. It was, you know, a huge controversial post that I, I, I threw up on Facebook this, this weekend, That's another thing. address that specifically. It's, you know, why, why are so many people posting memes just to say that there is really nothing happening here. It's all just the left-wing hype. It's all these people trying to rile you up. It's really nothing. Let's ignore it. Like, why do you really want to believe that? Why can't you accept that we really are facing a crisis? Cause I personally, <laughs> You know, when uh, when Amanda Arbery got shot, I, I said on social media, I said I cannot believe the black community hasn't burned this country to the ground, and and mm-hmm. now one week one week later, one more killing later, it's actually happening. We we finally reached that threshold. It it had to happen in a way that we watched a man being slowly, methodically executed in front of our eyes for people to believe it yeah Dad. um so i i, I mean i would love to hear i'd love to hear where what, what you guys feel about this week i want oh, i, I want know i want to know exactly course. where your your heart is
1: go ahead Dad. um you know my heart has been in a lot of places over this week, and <sighs> I, you know it's really hard to it's really hard to verbalize sometimes because you know you have um emotions as if you happen to be a minority, you have emotions from that perspective. If you happen to be a parent and you're watching your children experience a situation that's going on to the point that they're even protesting and going through that process and all of those emotions. so you have that. If you are a minority parent and you have fears about, you know, that one bad apple. Because I don't believe all cops are bad. Do I believe that there is an issue? Then there is. Because how many times do we have to come to a point of civil unrest and say there's not an issue? It just happens too many times over and over. But, you know, then you also have the emotions of is justice really being served by the way things are being handled? And even though you understand it, you're like, oh, my gosh, is the point even really being missed because of the violence that's going along with the peace? And how do you get to the point where resolution is actually achieved? Or even just progress and revolution ca- resolution can't be achieved. So I, I don't really think I have one way to put into a word what I've been feeling over this past week because it's been all over the place. Well, can I can
2: I ask if you feel if you feel like you know? Thank goodness, it's about time because there are, there are international protests. There there are there are millions of people in cities all over the world protesting in the name of solidarity of the black community in the United States for George Floyd. And, and again, yeah. from Eric, Eric Garner and, and, you know, the list goes on through Trayvon Martin and even before, yeah, right. like, does, does this finally feel like, thank goodness, somebody's finally listening?
1: You know, and I think that's part of it, too, because I'm not against the protesting. I just hope that the protesting or the intent of the protesting isn't lost because all those people who you say are posting memes about there's not really a problem – they're the ones who aren't listening to what the protesting is saying, but they are focused on to all of the businesses and being burned down and all of the violence and all of those things. And maybe, maybe that is waking some people up, but it's driving others further away from what the issue is. Because now all you see are black people cutting up. When they're if they believe if there are people believe that there's not a problem, then all they see is black people are cutting up, and now they have an ex- what's happening, and that is counterproductive.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, can I, I, have uh, I, I I definitely want to hear Kalen's vote verb or, or voice on this too. But one of the things that yeah. I think is important, what you're saying, Desiree, is you know d- let's not forget how many tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people are are supportive of this and and, and it's always those loudest voices creating the most chaos that get the attention. But Mm -hmm. when I, what I just, what I just posted the blackout Tuesday on Instagram, I mean, there's, there's already almost 30 million people that have hashtagged that. And it just, it just really, um, you know, it it shows how many people are truly behind this and and we all just need to do more.
0: Yes. And what what I was going to say, because this is something that, that, you know, I, 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 Joe, you and I have been posting a lot on this topic, and sometimes we're almost mirroring each other, not intending to do so. And one of the things that I found is I said, all right, I even, I I wrote a script of how it was going to happen. Like you said, when you're foreshadowing what's going to happen, and that was one of the things that I noticed, I said, all right, find something to discredit this fellow, and if you can't do that, then really attack uh, the, the protests because of the big – I said if we just flipped the words and the people, it's the same verbiage where you have them saying – one side saying, well, you know, we can't blame all the cops. And some people saying, well, all the cops are bad because nobody's doing anything to stop it." And then I said, well, then you have the other side saying, well, all the protesters are bad because no one's stopping the rioting and looting And I said, well, let's get the source of the problem, which is racism that's going unaffected or being punished justly in a timely fashion that keeps the peaceful people peaceful. Because angry people are going to be angry. They're angry all the time. And they're always mouthing off. And they're always saying something stupid. And they're always looking for a fight. We get that. I've been a bouncer... It, for, for years, I was in the military for years There's always somebody running them out should shit But when the people That basically keep the peace Don't have a reason To be peaceful Then you're in trouble And this is hmm. what I've been speaking to Because I said if you stop the racism There is no riot. There is no un, injustice There is no problem to see And And yet when you speak that They say yes but So basically, Floyd's life has just been pushed to the side, pushed immediately to the side, because these dang protesters are the problem, and we have to deal with them first. I said there are no protesters if there's no violence, no unjust violence, I should say, Mm -hmm. because, you know, like I said, with this fellow running around with a rifle in the neighborhood, they had the option Mm -hmm. of taking his life, and that's a real scenario at real time. And these are the things they have to consider every day of their life. With my dad being a cop for, a cop, for, uh, being a cop for 35 years, there were times when we didn't know if daddy was coming home. That was just the real understanding of it. So there's a lot of pre- pressure and a lot of stress in the job, and I'm not overlooking that at all. I am saying kind of injustice happening this frequently. It's a major problem, and there are certain things that I used to do with my dad in helping him study for his next promotion or his next test, and one of the things that was always emphasized and then reemphasized was de-escalating a situation, even more so than the military training that I had when I was in the military. So I'm not understanding how the training isn't there to be effectual for everyone because the de-escalation is no longer seeming to be part of the training that we're having. There is a solution. There is a way and a process for this to be dealt with, but constantly waiting to react instead of being proactive seems to be the flaw in the way we're going about this whole policy, whatever you want to call it. Because I said with me, it's the understanding that people are cooped up in their homes. So the stress level is always already higher than it should be. Then you add to the fact of people getting to know the very people they live with all over again is adding another stressor to the family and then another stress to the, to the environment. And then you have the already understood injustice of black people already dying before the pandemic. This is a cocktail of destruction. And yet we weren't looking ahead of the game to say, hey, something's got to be done because this is a, I mean, basically the perfect storm of trouble. If any little thing ignites it, this is where it ends because people were scooped in their houses for over two months. They're more than angry, they're more than stressed, and they're more than volatile. And yet, for some reason, people think, That if you just try to sweep this under the rug one more time, at least it might get us through this pandemic without having any issues. And that was creating the very issue we were trying to avoid. What do you think, Dr. Gill? Well,
2: you know, you you brought up just the the core issue of racism. If there was no unjust killings, there would be no violent protest. And I I go back to the real stats. Everybody wants to say, well, look, the the reason there are more black people incarcerated are because they commit more crimes. When you parse out all the details to to the the, the cleanest categories to compare, subject groups, test groups, you see, for example, that with unarmed, compliant, non-resistant subjects, Black people are killed at twice the rate as white people. So apples to apples comparison. You see that for things like drug offenses, black people get two to four times the sentences as white people. I'm not kidding when I say this. And and this this is a horrible thing to even feel, say, and think. But last year, I got pulled over at night. I was actually, ironically, driving too slowly in the passing lane. And I got pulled over. The very first thing I thought when those lights were flashing behind me is how can I make myself appear as white as possible? Mm -hmm. I was wearing a hoodie. I was wearing a hoodie. (laughs) I changed my my clothing. Yeah, I, I pulled the hoodie off. I pushed my sleeves up so he could see my skin. I turned my dome light on. And I, I turned I turned the radio station over to NPR. Like I want to look as fucking white as I can right now. And, and when a <laughs> okay. white person, when a white person, is having those thoughts, can you imagine where society has gone to the point where black parents have to give their kids lecture after lecture after lecture? This is how you have to behave. This is how you have to protect yourself. This is how you have to make sure you're not understood just because of the color of your skin. And this is not a fantasy. Those stats are real. That's that's, yes. that's still where we are as a society.
1: Well, first off, I thank you for being honest about that. I've never heard that scenario before quite like that. Secondly, I don't think we can say the F word on radio. So uh. I I think we need <laughs> <laughs> think about that hopefully since we don't have a license anyway nobody's going to get fined but it I understand the passion and gusto behind what you were saying and secondly it's true I mean my son and I talk about it true to the extent that I've experienced it let me put it that way my son and I have talked about this several times and he has you know he has noticed that a few times when he's gotten pulled over and his, um, you know, his Caucasian friends, his white friends, um, get pulled over for the same things. And even more often, they always, always get a warning and he gets fined. Um, so, I mean, and you got to ask why. Sometimes you just have to ask why. And I don't like going around automatically believing the worst in people, but sometimes when things happen enough and enough and enough to the point where we are now, you got to be like, all right, this is enough. And so we're talking about the psychological part of this. I mean, I think Kaylin's hit on something. We've all been going through some very stressful things, unusual things. We've had the pandemic, and however you feel about that, um, it's, it's impacted life in a big way. And it's going to continue to do so. So we've got all of this pent up emotion stress going on. And now we're hit with wave after wave of just kind of like crappy stuff happening. So and and we all know life is crappy at times. It it, it just is. So psychologically then, Dr. Joe, because I know that you and Dr. Propes, you guys have a lot of these conversations and Corey is the PhD of the two of you as far as psychology goes. But how do we get through this emotionally without everyone just absolutely losing their minds? Where does rational thought come into play? Can it come into play? How do we get to a point where anybody's even listening so change can happen?
2: Well, you, you bring up Corey. And so I'm going to use one of her quotes that I think is, is just pure magic as a starting point, And that is, When you can take yourself out of your limbic system, take yourself away from emotion and go back to just objective clarity. And, and we can see the answers to this. I, I, I have, I have made myself stop asking the question and using phrases like, how could this happen? I don't understand this. How, how would somebody do something like that? Those questions make it seem like we truly don't understand the reasons why but but we yeah. do for example all of the social science shows this implicit racial bias you've, you've seen the studies where people you know have guns paintball guns or video guns and you know somebody jumps out and, and they have either a cell phone or a gun and they're, they're they're white or black and and at the end of that i don't care who you are you always shoot far more black people who are innocent just because of this implicit racial bias. And it's it's just so ingrained. Like, if you even go back and watch, um, you know, TV shows from the 70s and so forth, any time they wanted to show a criminal, it was a black person. Um, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable how, how stark some of this stuff is. And so just to recognize that and say, okay, we, we have a reason. We know the history of this country. We know what everybody thought. I mean, you know, way back when we were still just, uh, you know, colonies, uh, there were laws passed that said black people were were not only just three fifths of a human being, but if you have offspring, those children are automatically saved. It wasn't just a commodity to sell but if they cross state lines, they're still a slave; they have no value and and then, when emancipation and so forth came about civil war there 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 had to be more reasons to suppress those people and so it just it just became so institutionalized down to our kids even now and i think mm-hmm. and I would love to hear your thoughts on this if if I had a seat at the table and that's what these protests. I hope, are, are shooting for. It's not, it's not just let's go mess up society and create pain. Let's exactly. actually get something accomplished. If you remember Charlemagne the God at the Breakfast Club interviewing Joe yep. Biden a couple weeks ago, oh, he said, Lord. I don't care about anything except what you're going to do for my community. That should be the question of the writers. We will stop. We will stop when you tell us what you are going to do to change this. And I think, your, your father being a police officer, Kalen, there should be a minority training, educating officer, and compliance officer. It could be all one person. It could be somebody all already on the force. But there should be somebody training people nonstop, holding them accountable. You saw in Louisville just yesterday two cops involved in a shooting had turned their body cam off. And yep. so the mayor of Louisville fired the police, police chief on the spot. That's what should happen. If you're yep. not going to comply, if you're not going to have that kind of just, just modicum of common sense, then there, there is no excuse. There is no second chance. You are gone. That's how transparent and that's how colorblind policing has to become, or if I were in the back commu- black community – I would burn the country to the ground. I would. I just. I mean, I, there there is no other way to get equality if 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 the if the other side is not going to give you what you want, which is simply equality.
0: Yes. Uh, what what I was gonna add because you know, there's a lot of fear. I get it. And the the fear-mongering is uh, uh, if somebody was doing that as a job, they'd be millionaires by now. Um, And I'm seeing, you know, mothers. And and, and the thing that really got me is we have a a, a member at our gym, and uh, she's white, and her husband's black. And so they they have mixed children. And they were coming home for Memorial Day. And the daughter was terrified if her brother was going to make it because he was driving through what would be considered uh, some risky spots uh, in, in Illinois to get back up here at Kentucky. And it broke the mother because she couldn't have an answer that would basically qualify as a true answer as to, you know, how to make things better. And so we basically did a sit-in with her to ease her fears so she could still be a mother to her children because they're terrified that they might not make it home and they might not make it back to their destinations going home, to their, where they live. And this is a very real factor in people's day. And I said, you know, if, if you're living under that kind of stress, where's your thinking? You know, how can you really focus on your job? How can you really focus on friends and family? How can you truly focus? And this is how black males are living daily. I, I, don't, I don't know if you saw, uh, Dr. Joe saw Ryan Doris's post where, you know, he said, uh, you know, he's working really hard, but it gets so much harder when these are the secondary things that have to be thought out just for his day to begin. You know, I'm basically starting out at a negative, and hopefully at some point in the day, I'll get to a positive to see the reason to smile and enjoy my life. And it, it was a very real moment for me. And, and, you know, when you're hearing, like, mothers breaking down because their their children don't get how me looking like I do is a reason to kill me, a reason to put me to death. And there's enough people that are so sick and tired of being sick and tired that they are revolting. And I and this is what I keep asking because I, I, I went to Kroger because I, I don't know if any of you guys have seen the post we were sharing about the lady Kroger talking about how, you know, if you want to solve the problem with racism, just make black people, uh, black males units and they can't breathe. And... <clears throat> You know, it was a thing that I had posted, and a lot of people were offended because I had posted, you know, how dare you say, you know, we, we can limit the freedom of speech. And I, I, I it, it's the deflection at its worst, but it is a method used to basically not deal with uh, the real issue that we're having. And I was very, I, I don't want to say shocked, because I'm no longer shocked anymore at the level people are willing to take their morals to justify keep doing more of the same of what we're doing. But I was surprised at the length they were mentally willing to go to basically stay non-active and not, and not participate in the reality of where we are. And, I, I you know, I, I've even seen people blaming Obama. And I said, well, that's three years ago. What are we dealing with now? So, you know, it, it's constantly – a deflection of the reality and the truth of what's going on, but we're also not dealing with the people who are suffering that haven't been suffering until now. You know, I can go back to eight, nine years old to my first negative interaction with a bad cop. So we kind of grow up in it. So there's a level of uh, understanding. I'm not saying I I identify as, as this is supposed to happen all the time, but I know that possibility is very real for people like me. Especially at my size, I become even a double risk because they can't physically assault me. They're, they're going to have to go for what they know, and that's, this is not me talking. This is a law officer speaking to me about taking me out first because he knew he couldn't deal with me, you know, hand in hand. And I was thinking, well, what chance do I have if this is how you see me? It's not that I said anything, it's not that I did anything, it's just me walking past him, and that was the statement. It happens. And I, I posted about when I was in the military and how things had gotten out of hand, and all we were doing was sitting outside our apartment. And we were at risk. And this is the military. And 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 you know, there's no there's no rhyme or reason to racism, but in our minds, I think we tend to try and look for one to rationalize why this is happening. Like you said, we know the real reason, but it's like we don't want to identify it because then it lessens the nation that we live and love in. What do you think of that? Well,
2: power. I mean, power is at the center of this. And and the reason you see this major shift is one one political party who is losing power is now fighting to get it back. They're seeing equality. They they didn't want gay rights. They didn't want this. They didn't want that. And so, you know, all of a sudden all of the Brown people are coming across the border to take your jobs. All you have to do is label somebody an enemy and they're coming to get you and you can get an entire movement of people in that state of fear. And you brought up Ryan Doris's post this is how I've tried to explain white privilege to my friends who don't get this. Let me take your family, my, my Caucasian friend, let me take your entire family and let me put you in chains for 400 years. You're now a slave. You have no rights. You are a slave for 400 years. Then let me just, just you know, push you down with no opportunity into a state of racism for another 100 years And then I'll just let you loose and see how you do, see how you can survive, see what advantages you think you didn't have as a white person. And, you know, even that is so conceptual that I think people have a hard time getting it. But there's this YouTube video, you guys may have seen this, where a a coach, kind of on a football field, there's a coach-looking guy, and he has all these kids, you know, white, black, Hispanic. There's all of these kids lined up, maybe maybe 50 kids on this okay. line, like they're gonna have a race. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Okay, if you have two parents who are still married, take two steps forward. If you've never had to worry about your next meal, take two steps forward. If you've had a private tutor, take two steps forward. If you had access to a private school education, take two steps forward." And they keep panning back to all of these African-American kids that, have, that are still on the baseline. They're still on the line. The other kids are 50 yards down the field. And then he said, okay, guys, turn around and look who's back there. And he said, now, whoever, whoever wins this race, here, here's my point. This is what's crippling. He said, whoever wins this race gets a $100 bill. Mark, get set, go. Do you know what all those kids that were still on that baseline did? They just turned around and left. They didn't even try. Why would you? When the entire system is that stacked against you, how do you expect people to even want to participate? And that's, that is the most deafening thing that people should be listening to, and yet as we started this conversation, they're just deflecting, saying, oh, they're just, they're just looting. They're just animals. They're the real problem. It's, 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 it's such – such a deep problem for some people not everybody but for some people that it's it's just kind of take a long time and a lot of education and unfortunately a lot of conversations like this that the entire country's having this week with with this much pain this much emotion where your entire life is stopped and you cannot focus on anything else this this is the only way you move everybody forward.
1: Kaylin?
0: yeah. Uh, what I, I, when you talk about white privilege, I had, I mean, this how everybody is looking just for something to be angry about and something to respond about that they think they've got the definite definitive answer to respond to your post to somehow this once again deflect from what you're saying and and I had shared about you know how we could bring things together and that's basically you know interacting like you know, your fellow human being actually has a reason to live just as much as you do. And I was very surprised because I was like, I didn't say white privilege. I said use your privilege of knowing someone and making that work to the advantage of the people that don't know them. Because whether we want to accept it or not, most of the police force is not of color or or. or, or Uh, You know ethnic background And so the person does have a cousin or a brother Or or somebody That they know and they can you know reach out To in the community and say hey Can we Get a little peace going on here And stand together Instead of standing divided It was I mean I thought I covered all the X's And O's to deal with this Problem and then someone And I didn't say white privilege I said, the privilege of knowing the person that I don't. So basically, that in between person is going to stave off the anger, the hatred, and the frustration because there's a peacemaker in the midst. And that's what I was talking about. And this lady lit into me. Uh, she's so sick of hearing about white privilege. And I said, where did I post about uh, white privilege? And then, you know, somebody else jumped on. They were following the comments. And they were, hey, you know, I saw you write it. And it wasn't written. It was in one of the, uh, it was part of the picture in the post. But it didn't say white privilege. It just said, using your privilege of someone you can reach, that the person that's at risk can't. And I thought, this is how you go about it, because... Whether they want to admit or not, you know the racist at the table. If we were talking about black people, we know the bigot at the table. And you my dad would always say, you know, that's not happening in this house. He would I mean he would shut it down. And then the rest of the family would, would have that happen because there are leaders in communities. There are leaders that people look to for the right response and the right answer that they can trust. Because right now it's chaos theory because everyone's running around with a conspiracy theory that so far from the truth, it's deflecting from what we should be identifying as the real issue. And if, if all we're doing is nitpicking what someone is responding to, we're not really facing reality either. And, and I said, you know, if it's going to get to a tit for tat, then why are we even having the conversation? Because I could be putting my energies into something that actually going to solve this issue instead of basically increasing the divide even greater.
1: So, so, Kayla, let me ask you you said it a couple times that we're not paying attention to the real issue. In your opinion, what is the real issue? And I'm not picking, I just want no, no, to no, hear No, no you don't issue. have to pick. And we're on the same page with what we think the real issue is. No, it, it,
0: it's not my opinion uh, I, I've had to do research High and low Racism is the issue And as long as it's allowed Because I, I keep hearing people say We cannot stop racism And that is a lie That is a profound lie We identify racism But because it's someone we know We'd rather not deal with them Because we have such close interactions and I, as I watched the decrease in civics in this nation, I've also watched the, de- the, 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 the decrease in, in civil. We're wanting to say our, how we feel, but don't hurt my feelings. We're wanting to speak our minds, but I can't have you speak yours. And that in itself is a problem because civics is what built this nation. If you look at the con- uh, Constitution, It is a bunch of civic interaction, and for some reason we've stepped so far away from it that we're not even speaking in civics. That's considered what they call uh, politically correct. So basically manners, civility, and uh, dealing with people humanely is considered bad. And just talking and cussing and yelling and screaming It's considered par for the course. Go ahead.
1: And and, 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 no, I don't agree that that's appropriate, the cussing and screaming and all that business. But let me ask you this. So is racism the problem or is racism a symptom of a bigger problem?
0: Okay. Um, When you're talking about that, if uh, we're talking about racism, if you can identify racism for what it is, it's a problem the symptom is basically years and years and years of oppression massed under that ideology. And we're basically not really wanting to face that because there's a lot of history in this nation that a lot of people don't want to admit to because then it tarnishes that legacy of what was built. And when you start doing and- that, you know, it's, it's almost like, okay, here, when I was in the service, we had people that did incredibly well in testing. We had people that did incredibly well in testing and in going about doing the different uh, field tests and studies and, and uh, basically physical fitness exams. I mean, exemplary, they had created this image in their minds of themselves that was so well-honed. It was scary, you know. And when we went over to war, it was culture shock because when the bullets started flying over our heads, they were walking out in the field of of harm. Bullets are okay. flying everywhere, but they could not accept the fact that this is actually happening. And that's what happens when racism goes, continues and continues and continues and not being identified for what it is. People are walking around like deer in headlights, and they say this is not real. There has to be some other reason. That's why you see the need to find fault with Mr. Floyd, the need to find fault with uh, Tamir Rice, the need to find fault with all these. What's their backstory? There's got to be something wrong that would justify this person of my complexion doing harm to someone of another complexion. And it, it, it's, it's such a blue pill, red pill, that some people don't want to take the pill at all and basically end up walking off the cliff.
1: And it's not that I disagree with what you're saying, but I, I, I am coming from a position where I think hate is the issue and racism is a symptom of that hate that has been since Day one, that their war broke out in heaven. And that's where it all comes down to. And the reason that I say that is this. If there's no hate, there's no racism. If there's no hate, there's no jealousy, there's no pride, there's no reason to feel like you are better than anyone else, that anyone is subject to you and that you can lord yourself over someone else because I'll tell you another very real reality. As much as any white person is going to hate me for being black, is going to hate my children for being black, which, by the way, when I was first having children, that stressed me out. It tore me up to think that somebody could hate this being that I love so much because I was their mother. And that's an awful thing for anyone to have to experience. But I'm going to tell you this also, those same people that hate me and my children for something we can't control They are also going to hate my white husband because he chose a black wife. And that hate is universal, and it doesn't stop at the color line. It's still tied to the color line, but it doesn't stop at the color line. And hate is taught just as much as racism is taught, and it fuels that fire. And that's why I asked the question, is racism the cause Or is racism the symptom of a bigger problem, which brings us back to love? And where is the love for human beings in general? Mm -hmm. We don't have it. We hate each other over petty things. We hate each other. And they're not petty. They're big. But think about it. Who, Who asked to be born a different race? Nobody gets to make that decision. It's what we're given. Nobody asked to be male or female, but yet females in several countries around the world are second class citizens and treated like garbage. They may as well be black because they are female. You know, a lot of things out of our control, but yet as a people, not all people, but lots of people think that they have the right to dislike someone over something that they can't control. So, again, what's the bigger problem here? And, and we still haven't even gotten anywhere close to how do we overcome either, either problem? Because if hate is fueling the fire, you can't regulate hate. What's but for adults? Interestingly, it's, really hard to, interestingly, it's really hard to teach someone not to hate.
0: Go ahead,
2: Dr. Joe. Well, I was going to say, interestingly, it's not. Difficult to teach people somebody not to hate. Uh, you see it in other species around us. I, I want I want to say two things that are probably the the two most important things I will say tonight, and that is, just like when I said you have to create a more objective environment in your mind to think about this. Take the emotion out, take the passion out, and just which is what is truly happening here. Anthropologically, we are almost ninety nine percent identical to chimpanzees. And around ninety-six percent the same as baboons. And when you look at those closest species to us, they are warring beings. Chimpanzees wake up, they create troop lines, they march around their perimeter, and they just look to fight other troops. Baboons wake up every morning, they generally live on hills and low, lowland mountains, they have their harems and their, their tribes, and, and you know, they wake up every morning and they go down for war. They battle over resources. And you're right, Desiree, if we're not fighting over skin color, we're going to find something else to fight about. Um, but the interesting thing is th- the only way to reverse that course is one of the foundational principles of social science, which is to, to increase contact. You have to, you have to put people together and realize, wow, that person is actually like me. I didn't think they were they they have a mom desiree that who loves them they have they have hopes and dreams they have a life just like me and as long as we cast those people quote unquote as the enemy and as the other that's the way these i hate to use terms like power structure cuz it sounds so like sci-fi and and it's not real but but there are you know institutions just just like in these riots you know white supremacists right were making phone calls creating false flags because they just wanted to create more chaos and make the black community look like they were out of control. There are people who are so deviant that they want that to happen. And so, so number one, I, you know, you're never going to get rid of this completely because to your point, we're going to find ways to divide, but you still have to teach it, and you have to teach it thoroughly, and you have to teach it at a young age And then you do see that we progress. You know, Steven Pinker, a a, uh, psychology professor at Harvard, has his new book, um, you know, talking about kind of the the status of where we are as a species, where we're going. And he goes through all of these statistics, and we are improving. We are getting better. But here's the one thing that I want to say to just follow up, Kaylin, what you said about white privilege. The reason modern racism, And I want you to think of modern racism as different than racism 400 years ago. Modern racism is about resources because the white community in our country is suffering. The white community has never been poorer. The white community for the last 50 years has lost Mm -hmm. purchasing power. My dad raised a family of five kids on one income – selling right. cars, selling cars. You've you got to have two parents working two jobs now just to make that kind of income while, while three human beings, three American citizens, own half of the assets of our country. 62 individuals, 62, 62 individuals own half of the assets of our planet. Out of 7 billion people, That means one millionth of 1% own half the planet. White people are suffering more than ever, and they're looking for somebody to blame. And you've got political forces saying, blame you guys, blame them, put up a wall. They're doing it. Release the dogs on them, shoot them. If they loot, we shoot. There are people out there, who are doing everything they can, as Kalin said, to deflect against their own inequality. This is classism is way bigger than racism. Racism is horrible. Racism is improving. Classism is going in the opposite direction. Classism is getting worse. So you're going to keep seeing racism as long as classism continues to go out of control. Yeah. Uh, well, that's well, modern. What, what, do you modern
1: racism? That? what do you think to that? Yes. Other than what a world we live in.
0: What a world! What I'm a fair.
1: world! What a world! And yet there's hope. Yes, and, and yet, yet
0: there's and hope.
1: There's like hope. I
2: said, we are improving.
1: And, and and that's the thing. As
0: long as uh, when I was when I was in the service, we had this thing called a foreign policy. I didn't understand the true meaning of it until way later. And basically it was something that the Romans had adapted because they were always surrounded by their enemies, that they basically subjugated. And in the process of that subjugation, they learned a method of basically if you're against them and they're against you and they're against the others, then nobody's against me. Because I'm the only one that sounds like they're speaking good common sense. Uh, When they figured out what was going on, that was basically the decline of the Roman Empire. And we now are seeing that here at home, and because it's so unfamiliar to us, except for, you know, the military that has basically been seeing it happen overseas, uh, it is kind of a culture shock to the brain that, you know, they would turn on you, you your own It's like your family basically turning on you in one, in one day and saying, you know, you're the problem, and you're, all the woes we have are because of you. And because of that, You need to be oppressed and uh, beaten down mentally and physically, and somehow that's going to make this family bigger, better, and stronger. And it's it's never worked. I mean, most of the time we we, we look back in history at how we propped up this uh, dictator, and when he became too big for his britches, we take him out. And the next one in line is going to have that same thing happen. Well, now we're doing it in our own home, on our own soil because, like Dr. Jill said, we're basically oppressing our own people. And that's defeating the point. And I, I, I shared a, a James Baldwin when he was talking about how, you know, we talk about the American dream, but the very people you're oppressing ensure that that can't happen because their very existence ensures that it will be wrecked. It, it can't happen because we're underlying the very thing and ideology that we're speaking so positively about and we do make ourselves hypocrites and we do make ourselves liars, and we're, we're not going to be able to s- sustain this in any successful form or fashion. That's-
2: wow. I will, I will say that you know, somebody asked me because they know that I'm, you know, engaged in social science research, study writing and so forth You know, well, well, what is the answer, you know, to your question, Desiree? How do we do this? You know, if you look at the countries, because these studies are done, who are the happiest, the countries that have the least violence, the least hate, the least incarceration, the least civil unrest, they also have the most equality. You can be a teacher and make a living. You can be a firefighter and make a living. If you have a drug addiction, you can get help. If you have a toothache, you can get that taken care of. You don't have 50 million people without health insurance. You know This really does come down to a fight for resources, and, and that pits everybody against each other because if you think the other person has a little bit of an advantage or they're going to move in on your advantage, speaking of privilege, then your guard is up. It's a threat. You've got to fight. And, yep. and, and there, there are success stories all around the world. I mean, the United States doesn't rank in the top 20 in as far out of even the top 30 in so many categories when it comes to, to health and wealth and opportunity. You know, when people say America is the, the greatest country that's ever lived and we're, you know, American exceptionalism, where are you getting that? Because that is a fantasy. There are so many countries doing so much better, and all we have to do is look at what they're doing. And it, the answers are right there.
1: Hey, you know, what, Joe, we could talk about this for another hour, but we've got less than sixty yes, seconds to do. I think you've hit on a <laughs> good point. You know, a lot to think about as we close this show. This has been, I mean, it's a tough show, guys. We're living in just unreal circumstances. And we have been for a long time, but the boiling point is, is here. And uh, we're going to get cut off, so all I can say is, uh, people, let love be your guide. Dr. Joe, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm just going to say snickerdoodle shots and uh, we love you. Have a great night, folks. Your body is a temple, so let's build it.